When have we ever done this and been ready before? We've never done anything and be ready about it. We always just kind of rush into it and think like, oh, we're going to figure it out this time. And we never fucking figure it out. Next thing you know, we're just like, oh, my dick touched curse. Or no, the curse touched my dick. And then that's what happens. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to So Did You Like It, the first film of 2023. I am your uh, co-host, Sir Squarin, joined, as always, with my other co-host. I'm the reincarnated daughter of a pharaoh. And we are back. Cause. <laughs> God, this slow, tired energy that you got, man. You've got me worried. You've got me worried. Do we need to talk about this, Kaz? Do I need to give you, like, a monster energy right now? Do I just inject 30 cc's of just adrenaline straight into the vein right now? The only energy I need is the beautiful faces of the cast of the movie we watched today. Well, then pull it up, all right? Get that memory straight into your spank bank because we're back with The Mummy Returns. We are that podcast that goes with the thousands and thousands of other film podcasts, but we're not critics. We're not even people to be taken too seriously. We're just going to we're gonna be two people that ask at the end of watching a movie together. So did you like it? That simple question we all always ask. Yeah, we watched The Mummy Returns because it's our year anniversary. And you know what? That's where this relationship's at. Next summer, Universal Pictures presents Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weisz, John Hanna, Arnold Vosloo, Odette Fair, Patricia Velasquez, introducing Freddie Both and The Rock as the Scorpion King. Bang, bang. How dare you, sir? My adoration is pure. Don't you lie to me like that. You can lie to everybody else on this podcast, but you can't lie to me like that. It's got Brendan Fraser in it. We know exactly what's going on here. He seems nice. He does seem nice, you know? Oh, by the way, this movie is directed and written by Stephen Summers, and it does have the original cast of The Mummy back. That's all right. Everyone's back. But here's the thing. I guess I just watched this entire film with rose-tinted glasses ever since I was a kid, because this was definitely the first time I was watching this movie, and as I was talking to you about it, it was just like, this is really just a blatant riff-off of just an Indiana Jones movie. Same, yeah. I had a lot of, like, uh, nostalgia for it, and a lot of, like, yeah, you know what? I remember the both the mummies. They're, like, almost, they're, they're, like, they're both, like, equally as good, right? Like, maybe the first one's a little bit better, but, like, yeah, the second one's solid follow-up. Mm-hmm. And now I watch it again. I'm like, the first one's really good. (laughs) I was missing the first movie a little bit as we were watching this movie. Because, like, one of the things about this is, like, with the first movie, it is still kind of like a thriller. It tries to put a little bit of its horror aspects that it comes from back into the film without going too hard in the action-adventure genre. So there are some, like, thrilling moments uh, from the first movie. This one, they just throw that straight out the door. Everyone, here's what I, the the biggest departure. I think this is the thing that really kind of irked me, and I I didn't quite know how to verbalize it. I don't know if I'm going to do a good job now, but everyone is too cool now. Like what I I think what I said I liked in the first one was like O'Connell's like an action hero, but like he's silly. He's uh, a little dumb and like at sometimes like evie saves him like he almost gets shot on the boat when she pulls him aside um he yells at a mummy 
<laughs> who tries to roar at yeah. Um The other guy is deathly afraid of, uh, deathly afraid of like flight. The the magi guy. Uh, e- oh no, he loves uh, flying. E- e- Evie gets like e- Evie gets like drunk. Gets like make make makes a silly ass of herself. Um, and yeah, she's like out of her depth in the first one. In this one, I don't think anyone has a weakness. They're just cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jonathan's still you know Jonathan at least. Yeah. He's not cool in this. In fact, I'm gonna say that Jonathan is even less cool in this one than the first movie. Yeah, that Jonathan's the exception, and uh, it's also noticeable. It's almost like Jonathan looks at us and be like, "Hey, you remember I'm a big coward, eh, audience? You remember that's that's my whole thing." Jo- you remember I'm like obnoxious and uh, and full of myself, but also I'm a big chicken shit, eh? It's the entire time. Uh, John Hanna is the actor who plays uh, Jonathan in this movie and in the first movie. It's like the first movie he knew he was comic relief and he played comic relief. And it was like for this movie, Stephen Summers went up to him and was like, okay, now I want you to play caricature comic relief. Like you took, they took Jonathan and like, I could see him in, uh, I could see him side by side with the Scooby gang in my mind. In the first one, everyone is like a full ass character that has like strengths, weaknesses, attributes, you know, just character flaws as well as just ways that the mannerisms and stuff. And in this one, they are just, they're just fill in the box for what you need for an adventure movie. You have the comic relief, you have the cool suave guy, you got the the female lead who in this one like i said she's just a badass now she just does cool shit she gets like her weird flashbacks where she has like badass like weapons training you know they they had like a bit where it's like hey look she somehow knows how to fight but also i did like you know the cracks in that where she like eventually just or occasionally just fights dirty and she's just like yeah that i picked up from your father or for from o'connell and it's like yeah there you go but it's just not enough of that. It's too much like, hey, look, she can do all this badass choreographed fights now. <laughs> yeah, I mean... She just do that. I, I think that was really great for Rachel Weiss as well. She actually became like a pretty awesome character in this one. It's just... And we were making fun of it throughout the entire time. It was just so funny from the get-go that you could tell Steven Summers did not think he was going to get a sequel... And so instead of doubling down on just a new adventure, he starts throwing in all this stuff where it's just like, you know, this, the secret mark that's on O'Connell's wrist since he was five years old, you know, the like secret tattoo on his arm, apparently a tattoo he's had since he was five years old that they just they just put that on you when you're an orphan. Exactly. In Cairo. (laughs) There's probably so many Cairo kids in there with that. With that tattoo, but O'Connell's is special because it's also in the it's on the building wall that he's in at the beginning because it's special. The whole O'Connell family is special now. His wife's the reincarnated daughter of the Pharaoh, who we who was in who is the daughter of the Pharaoh that Emotep killed. Yep. <laughs> so remember, in the first movie, he didn't try to kiss her because he thought she was a nox in the moon he 
tried to kiss her because he knew that was Nefertiti because he knows Nefertiti and that he sacrifices her to bring a Nox in the Moon back because a Nox in the Moon would love to be in Nefertiti's but, body. But he never mentioned that. It was supposed to be assumed. We as the audience were supposed to already know that, mm. assumed from just his reactions. It is our fault for not seeing the beauty of what was laid out before us. Speaking of reincarnation from previous lives, so we have the actress who plays the Nox in the Moon, and she's um kind of archaeologist slash whatever the fuck I don't know, just just trying to get her man back, um, as you do from a separate life, and she's the reincarnated, at least in body uh, version of an Ox in the Moon. Though she seems she seems to like have a lot of prior knowledge so maybe she's getting like them visions like evie does but somehow she's still not quite the same person we'll, we'll, anyways um how long has she been around well <laughs> like see what we didn't know was while the events of the first movie was happening there were evil british people that were actually a secret cult that worship british people emotep and had already found the reincarnation of Emotep's lover. They just couldn't get to him quick enough because they found out about what happened with O'Connell and Evie, which then led to them knowing they had to go to Egypt because they weren't looking for Emotep in Egypt, I guess. They were just looking for Amnox and Amun in England. Uh, but you, all right, one, you don't have to be redundant and say evil British people. Just say British people. I'm sorry. I know. Two, I've, got, I've got a bad habit of that. To what happens? <laughs> so this is nine years later or something. What would happen if, like, we did uh, Emotep succeeded? An Ox and a Moon spirit goes inside Evie's body, is reincarnated in an Ox and a Moon, and then we have this other lady who I'm assuming is older than nine. She didn't just sprout up when we needed it in a new Anox and a Moon. <laughs> who has the visions of Anox and a Moon, looks exactly like Anox and a Moon, just kind of shows up. Emotep gets to live the dream. Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> but is Anox and a Moon all right with that? Um, She seems vain enough to love herself that much. I'm going to get back to on um, which Anox and a Moon is the best Anox and a Moon. <laughs> For you, uh, audience, but uh, no, we'll we'll get back to that. I don't, I don't. There is definitely a, little... a better Anox and a Moon out of the two of them, and I think we'll we, we'll have some strong well, points for that. We rarely ever get to see Anox and a Moon do anything as Anox and a Moon. I feel like words are losing meaning, but uh, <laughs> we get, rarely get to see the true and ever do much. But I don't know. She makes out with Emotep, I guess, but like. Ah, there's a lot. Speaking, uh, of, there's a lot of making out in this movie. <laughs> oh, oh, what was the count by the time we were done? At least like eight makeout sessions we had counted. I, th I think so. It was an insane amount. Like I even, we even started acting like uh, the kid character who would always just be like, "Ugh," because you know you don't want to watch your parents make out, and we were just like, "No, seriously, we're done with this. Like we get it. Y'all love each other, yeah. and we're happy for you. Just, just like come on." Both Jonathan and Child 
uh, are both like, ew, making it gross, whatever. And we're supposed to be like, oh, ho, 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 that's so silly. But towards the end, I'm like, Jesus Christ again? Fucking get over it, man. <laughs> Just keep... We needed, like, two makeout sessions from the O'Connells, like, maximum. Like, the first one to show, like, hey, look, oh, they love each other, the spark's there. And, like, the second one should have been, like, after it's like, homegirl, I thought she was dead. Yeah. And then they go to town. You know, that's about it. That's all we need. All the other it, ones in between. It would have been Too super much. strong. Now, it was important for reincarnated Ox in the Moon to make out with gooey mummy. Uh, Emotep, because we all just wanted to see that. That's the Rule 34 we all exist for, right? I still think that the like, homegirl before getting the soul put into her was like super like down to Mac with that shit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Didn't you want to? I just feel like there's very little difference in that lady pre and post soul trans mutation <laughs> that's not the right word transmission <laughs> there you go listen when they started doing the fucking like chucky voodoo shit to her she was before then she was just the same except with less uh i guess weapons training because she wasn't I... taking in the same information as nefertiti because all she could do was throw snakes and shoot guns while evie's just fucking decking people across the face I feel like it would have been a shorter fight if, like, Evie's like, all right, it's time to come back to the duel, and she just fucking shoots her instead. That's true. <laughs> you're right. We also... You're right. You're right. We didn't, you know what? We didn't need this long, protracted, like, fight scene with, like, two uh, stunt coordinators. Fucking bam. All right, I'm going to go live happy with my mummy husband. <laughs> As we bring about the end of the world. Yeah, and plus... I mean, if it weren't for, like, O'Connell being, like, being, like, like the badass, like, that he was, snake throwing would have been pretty fucking legit to kill someone. <laughs> that, that is true. Which, I love how, as we were watching the just the very beginning of this movie, we were just like, this is just Indiana Jones. And then, as soon as they go back to England from the first scene in Egypt, he is legit dressed like Indiana Jones. Brown pants, white kind of like canvas button down a uh, long sleeve, brown jacket over one? it, brown fedora on top. Did he not kind of wear the white and brown in the first one? Uh, he only wore. No, he wore like a white suit when they first saw him after coming out of prison, and then he only wore like the button down white shirt and the pants, which again is also strong Indiana Jones energy when he's not wearing his jacket. Okay. It's just, when you're watching the first movie, you still feel like it's The Mummy. Like, they they were trying to... It was a remake of the 1930s horror film, The Mummy, you know? Like, this mm -hmm. is what we were doing. And, you know, they were going for that uh, Egyptologist or, like, archaeologist vibe. Because, like, that was the attire, like, a lot of people would wear out in the desert, you know? <clears throat> Except with probably mm -hmm. some sort of headgear. Because O'Connell can't wear a headgear because... I swear to God, if you cover up that perfect hair, I will lose my shit. Okay? I have no, to be able nice to look hair. at the perfect hair. It's nice hair. It's nice hair. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. But in this movie, it's it feels more like Indiana Jones now. For some reason, it doesn't have the same feeling anymore. 
And then they did the snake throwing situation, and it was just like, and then it was like throwing in your face, like he's like Indiana Jones, but even better because he's not scared of snakes. I I love the one to one on that, like right one right after the other in that situation. She throws a snake. It's like oh god, and then it turns. It looks like he has the snake. He like looks at them, holds the snake's head like right at them, then throws it at some guy, and then someone throws a knife at him, and he grabs the knife, and he looks at them, and he throws the knife at them. It's like don't throw anything at this man. It doesn't work. I was. I was fairly certain if they shot at him, he'd have been there holding a bullet, being like, huh, and then he just like, would have thrown it at someone. <laughs> I was just waiting for the cutaway of like a like a different portion of that room where we just saw like Rick O'Connell, like United States dodgeball champion. Yeah, it doesn't matter, man. Like fucking like throwing the spear at the fucking Scorpion King. He's got it once again. Like this man is the greatest goalie of all time. <laughs> at this point, when the, when the pygmy mummies like jump at him, it's like they're throwing themselves at him. So he just catches them, throws them right back at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that yeah. O'Connell's superpower? He's just really good at catch and release. He's got great fucking reflexes and catch anything. That's another thing that was like a bit like you're showing like what a badass action hero he is. It's just one of those another one of those things where like they show that scene and it's kind of goofy where like, you know, slow motion them the Emotep's throwing that spear towards like the big CGI monster mm-hmm. and you see like O'Connell like behind a pillar kind of far away he like looks like he's like in a fighting game stance or he's like sideways with the fists up whatever then when the spear and the camera go like out of frame suddenly he like teleports where he's like right in the perfect frame to capture it or catch the spear Mm -hmm. and then he falls over and just stabs straight through and it's perfect and it's almost like he can fold space in certain moments he defies gravity. Like, he's straight up. It's not a situation where he moves as fast as a flash. He's his own gravity engine. He's his own event horizon. He will just fold space to where point A and point B are in the same spot at the same time. And that's where he needs to be. I mean, I think in his presence, we would all fold. I mean, yeah. He just has to look at me with those smoldering <laughs> eyes and that goofy, like, himbo grin, and I'm done. Yeah. It's just copious amounts of like look our hero action man he doesn't have any pro- like even like you know there wasn't even a like fun like goofy like like I-, I kind of like hey look you know they're 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 just regular guys just you know trying to fight these supernatural mummy things like the whole like double decker like bus fight scene oh my god we had so much opportunities <laughs> where it could have been like hey look they're just men they're just normal men. <laughs> no, instead, it's like, yeah, he's squaring up, and he's fucking taking this thing on. Like, yeah, okay, they need to, like, do a significant amount of damage that a normal human couldn't do, but, like, yeah, we we get there like in our own ways. Yeah, you know. The and- mummy is more comedic about it because it gets hit by the fucking wall and the double-decker, and then it has a slow, like, s- slide down the wall. <laughs> it even has one of those moments like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks at the camera, goes, Ooh. and then like, yeah. At one point, he just like pokes it in the eyes. The mummies have are showing to be like more fallible human characters, and he has eye goo. We all have eye goo. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't expect the mummy to have eye goo. Oh, it was it just is like weird because they look so dry. They look just. They, oh my god, dude. Homeboy needs some clear eyes. Clear eyes? Homeboy just needs, like, a straight bath after that. 
Like a you bath and lotion. You don't wash and lotion my eyes, but hey, whatever, man. <laughs> something else. You've got. You need something stronger than just clear eyes at that point. You know. Um, yeah. I so okay. I'm start. I'm really start. It's really starting to come together to me now. It's like um, where in the first one. Our main characters, our main characters and the bad guys, though mostly our main characters were like, they could be silly, they could be goofy, uh, they could be kind of made an ass of, you know, they, they're out of their depth, and it, it shows, that's fun. Uh, in this one, it seems like it's completely flipped, and all the bad guys are the ones that we make fun of. All the bad guys have silly shit happen to them. The bad guy gets shot in the ass with a, with a slingshot. <laughs> the bad guys are, you know, we can make a fool out of the bad guys and all that stuff, but, like, yeah, it just, it, it's a weird switch where it's like, hey, look, our, our, our main characters can have some humility and silliness about them to where, no, no, they're all perfect badasses, and look at how silly and goofy the bad guys are. <laughs> Yeah, you're really you you're really hitting on the nail too, because like they can't even successfully keep a kid locked up. Like that, that's that was something that really shocked me. Like Alex was able to escape from them on the train in just what a couple hours. Like no thought to like maybe the uh, like any sort of structural problems with the train you're on, or maybe like escape routes, and then the fact that like. They didn't even check, like, hey, who who pulled the emergency brake? Yeah. And then also the fact that, like, Alex pulled the emergency brake to escape from the train, even though it also was in the same location they were supposed to be braking at to begin with, which means they were going to overshoot where they were supposed to land. He's, he's a smart boy. He's destined to something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, the fact that he could make these, like, very fancy over very elaborate little little models of the next place they're going to for his family and no one catches on well they don't catch on until like way later when it's like oh yeah we're practically there it would have made more sense i would have it would have been more believable for me instead of just these elaborate sand castles he just would have written in hieroglyphics in the stand like this is where we're going yeah something that because like that, that would have made more sense. Like, that is something, like, he would have been practicing and everything. But the fact that he had such skill to already be able to build such realistic sandcastles of ancient Egyptian uh, <laughs> locations is mind-blowing it, to me. It's so model realistic that we zoom in on one of the, mo- the, the, the sandcastles he makes, and we do a transition of the actual place, and it's little to no change. <laughs> It's one of those things where, like, y- there is no suspension of disbelief here. Like, you, you for a second do not believe this kid make it made it. You knew for a fact this guy came in. He's like the like sand professional sandcastler comes in, makes his little artistic sandcastle. They just cut to O'Connell and uh, Evie finding it, and like you do not believe for a second this kid can do that. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, one line could have helped if they were just like, well, he's always been making sandcastles since we've been bringing him on these little expeditions. <laughs> something. <laughs> something would have been nice. I would have believed at this point with O'Connell just like, wow, those sandcastle lessons I paid for really are coming yeah. together. Or just... even if it would have been on the opposite way, they'd, like, they'd look at each other like, shit, did you know he could do that? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Something. It's like, goddamn. 
At this point, it's just like, yeah, that's what happens when you leave your, your kid alone on a beach for 48 hours because you forget he exists. I haven't seen the third movie, but if they don't have the kid grown up and his profession is like professional like <laughs> model maker or sandcastle designer, I don't know what's the point. Oh, no, yeah. That, don't that spoil it for me. Perfect, we'll get That there. would be a perfect world, Kaz. I'm sorry. Damn it. I feel like he's... Uh. <laughs> I've never seen it either. I have no idea what he oh. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, that'll be great and then yeah we get the the kid also torturing his caretaker who i keep calling mr echo because i don't know the name of the actor and i know the gnome from loss is mr echo (laughs) who was cool mr echo was my favorite and i literally stopped watching loss after they'd killed him spoilers (laughs) his his character's name is lakna cool yeah it even sounds pretty pretty insane like pretty rough like luck yeah but all he gets to do is just uh sneer at magi all he gets to do is just uh the 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 child watching duties or he just has to like be made a fool of by this kid and uh, every once in a while occasion to threat uh uh, threaten to kill him but never 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 gets obviously never gets to but you know his whole thing is like man i fucking hate this kid and we as an audience agree (laughs) (laughs) i don't I don't blame them for hating this kid. I really don't. Like, I'm sorry. I I know we we're always go a little bit hard when it comes to child actors on this show, but, like, Alex O'Connell is a character I just get so bored of within the first two minutes of meeting him. Yeah, it's it's that, like, audience stand of, like, hey, look how cool this kid is, and, hey, hey we, you know, like... You get to see it from the eyes of like a child. I'm like, no one relates to him. Like, <laughs> also, like I, I do want to say, um, I understand wanting to be parents and like wanting to be with your child in formative years. But when you're both like archaeologists and Egyptologists, and you know for a fact you're going to locations that usually have some sort of trap responses. Because you know, <laughs> the Egyptians were known for uh, security systems in their tombs and, and not only, like holy locations. Not only that, they also know that mummy curses are real. <laughs> they know for a fact <laughs> mummies can come back to life and the apocalypse can start. They legit watched all of the curses basically of God happen in the mummy. So we don't take kids on these adventures, right? We get sitters, right? Yeah, get a sitter. Not Jonathan. Definitely not Jonathan, but a sitter. <laughs> Some, you know what? You've got a Medjai friend, and it seems like he's never yeah. really doing anything important. <laughs> Call Arden. He could be your piccolo. He could be your piccolo, you know? If you want to be your deadbeat dad Goku self, at least find yourself a piccolo. Oh, I want to see that movie now. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Just Alex in our death the entire time. Just a bunch of magi just raising like the O'Connell <laughs> kid, like the fucking Witcher or something. <laughs> that would be an amazing experience. I would love to watch Alex just like show up at home after 10 years and just like, Alex, it's been so long. And he's just like, Father, I do not know who you are anymore. Just like with his wavy blade and everything eye tattoos and all that shit just like oh hell yeah dude except he would probably he oh you know and he would even be even cooler because he'd be a falconer as well maybe damn 
You're right. I, this would maybe I, be a better movie. I love the shade. Speaking of the Falcon, though, I love the shade. What's the name of our main Magi guy? I just keep calling him the Magi Artith guy. Bay. All right, never mind. I'll never remember that. This is our main Magi guy. <laughs> you're not even saying he's like, you're saying Magi when it's Magi. Sure. Our main guy. <laughs> there okay, we go. I'll take Just cut that. out anything that could possibly be said wrong. Yep, um, good job. I, I love the shade that he gives to like all of his little compatriots there. They all meet on horseback and, and you know, they're all like, yes, we're raising, we're having an army ready just in case Anubis comes by. You know, we'll have to strike down uh, Anubis's army while we can't, you know, as best we can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in case the Scorpion King comes back to life or whatever. And then like yeah. the fucking Falcon has this cool scene. It comes, it gets on his arm and shit. And he's like, yes, this is my most clever and f- best friend or whatever. <laughs> Well, or well, all of his, all of his other like magi folks are there, and it's just like, (laughs) and just like, I mean, that's a stab also to like Evie and O'Connell because with the magi, you can at least say they're like coworkers, but like those two are actually friends of his. They're just like, no, 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 this Falcon is definitely smarter than you (laughs) because he doesn't resurrect mummies, but also, um, you brought up a really great point. Like there was the magi army. Where were they when Emotep was first risen? Well, definitely uh, uh, in the first one, O'Connell's group was losing. Like, they had to, like... I think he ended up falling into the tomb by accident or something, didn't he? Like, they ended up uh, going in there just to, just to hide because they were getting the shit kicked out of them. Like, the f- in, in the first movie? Yeah, like, isn't that how they... Yeah, first- but that was still only, like... That was still only, like, 12 people. It was a raiding party. Like, maybe, like, yeah. 12 Magi raided them. We saw a straight-up army in this movie. Where were they when the plague started? When Imhotep was on the loose searching for the mystic jars to, like, regain his essence? Uh, I don't know. Fighting locusts, man. Where was O'Connell's arm tattoo? (laughs) (laughs) It was under his bracer, because, you know, he's always wearing a bracer. They were undercover. (laughs) <laughs> they were also under O'Connell's bracer. Yes, everywhere. All of the plot points <laughs> in the second movie are hiding under O'Connell's bracer. Exactly. Shit, I never knew that it was the bracer of destiny. Like, it was the restraint of plot that was like, this movie already <laughs> has enough going on. I'm going to lock this away in my wrist. It was O'Connell's and limiter. If he took off the bracer in the first one, we'd have won too early. It would have been too easy. Yeah, you know what? This movie starts when Alex takes off his bracer and we see it for the first time, thus unlocking the plot. Yeah, because I do feel like, you know, hey, we're trying to also make sure that Emotep doesn't come back to life. And there's he has an army. He has a whole army. And yet, like, we show, like, he's undercover. Our main Magi guys undercover at the uh, at the archaeology site. It's just a bunch of archaeologists. Very few of them are armed or trained men. Like there's a few of them, but like you got an army. Yeah, they straight <laughs> up just let them find Emotep. I like, feel like they, they could have tried a little him. harder, bros. <laughs> I d- no, they were just like, look, we we have to make sure they're even happy. What if they're just nice guys? What if we're wrong about the evil cult? Okay, what if we're the like stereotype, like stereotyping people right now? Well, what if yeah. they're just a cool cult? I guess there's the possible idea that like, hey, look, our whole order is just to stop Emotep. Any if they want to revive any other mummy, that's not that's someone else's jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're the Magi. You're looking for the Magi. They're over there. They're stopping. 
They stop literally everything else. But Emotep, that is Magi territory only. Over there, they're trying to stop the revival of Seth, which they have failed. Yes, they really have failed in the revival of Seth. No one's going to get that until we explain that again. So the the mummy has force powers now on top of, like, the other shit that he did. Like, you could suck out people's essence, uh, do some sand shit. He could, you know, and throw su- locusts at people. Super strong. But, like, now he's, now he's a Jedi? Yes. <laughs> he no, okay, this. sorry. Sorry, nerd. Sorry. He is a Sith because he's evil. I'm not making that judgment call. Uh... <laughs> Oh, right, because he actually has someone who loves him. All right, my bad. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that makes him evil. Uh, I'm going to piss that off so many Star Wars nerds. <laughs> I'm piss off everyone who's into Star Trek. You just watch. <laughs> eat shit, you Battlestar Galactica nerds. Live long right. and eat shit, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've lost everybody. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, at one point, his weird force powers was like the Jedi mind trick when, like, the little, I think they were, they said they were pygmies, the little, the weird little guys. Yeah, the pygmy mummies. <laughs> yeah, we're, like, coming at them, and, like, he just, like, gets, stands in the way, and he just does, like, the mind trick thing, and they're like, oh, shit, fuck, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> so yeah. they just fuck off, and, yeah, he gets to go unperturbed while every, all of the other people who are working under him die. Great leadership. Yes, yes, makes sense, makes sense. But then Jonathan kind of does the same thing. Yes, see, so for those of you who don't remember the very first episode of Saturday You Like It, I brought about a very stupid theory that Kaz made fun of me for about how there is Emotep, but also that Jonathan is the reincarnation of the trickster Egyptian god Seth. And I did make some points that were kind of far-fetched and we joked and we laughed until this fucking scene. So we've got Jonathan running through the jungle with another with a cult member running with him. Then him and the cult member stop, and he's like, no, 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 we're fine. You see that? That's like ancient religious uh, burial ground stuff. They'll never cross those stones. It's like, are you sure? Of course I'm sure. And then this pygmy mummy just comes running out with a spear, stabs through the cult member, and then just stares at uh, Jonathan. Jonathan then screams at the pygmy the pygmy then screams back at him and then runs away it cowers away like it did with emotep it cowers away just like with emotep jonathan's got the jedi force powers the egyptian force powers sorry which i said jedi meant egyptian so we've got we have rick o'connell indiana jones but better we got Evelyn O'Connell, the reincarnation of Pharaoh Seti, the first daughter, Nefertiti. And now we've got Jonathan, the reincarnation of the Egyptian trickster god, Seth. Yes, his name is legit Seth. S-E-T-H. Because... Of course. T- yeah. Yeah. I've never met a Seth who wasn't a trickster god. Yeah. After that, I was like, wait, wait. Hold up. <laughs> You're telling me that wasn't bullshit? That's I, fucked up, man. And then, I, and, and then, you know what? Because you would think Jonathan only wants that spear because it's made of gold. But now that we know he's Seth, he always wanted it on him because he knew he would be the one to throw it to O'Connell. Yeah. Not only did he 
take it with him since the recover like they they got at the the burial site they were at in the beginning uh he just sees it decides to take it with him just you know of all the valuable things that are there this one catches his eye and then later on the 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 guy who uh, uh takes him on the uh the the, the um the dirigible balloon the big air balloon is he when he when he takes it uh as payment it's like okay well that's a done thing and then when they finally have to separate from him and he leaves or he has to like you know the guy's got to make repairs on the balloon jonathan knows to grab this thing yes like because there's no reason for him to grab it now they were gonna meet back with izzy later when he fixed the thing like he the could only have reason stole he take it, it later yeah the only reason to take it is if he knew he needed it later exactly right? you're seeing it finally look at the first movie again through my perspective see how jonathan survived in the most insane ways while also giving all of the Bible quotes, bringing out the apocalypse, because of course he knows them, because he, uh, he is the trickster god. He is the one that helped even give birth to some of these curses, because of course, haha, why not? But that also makes me think, like, okay, you remembered one Egyptian word that you that you were having troubles with nine years ago. What are the odds that you remember it now all of a sudden? Did he know in the first one the whole time that it was a menifice? He did, but he was just being his little trickster self. But also setting Son up- of a bitch, Jonathan! But here's the thing. When you think about it, this is the only thing that sets up the second movie because he's the one setting up the second movie. He's the one setting up the story because- that actually ties into the second movie more than, you know, everything else that was bullshit that came along at the beginning of this movie. Jonathan does have that one cool moment, though, when when, when they're all getting ready to getting ready to pew pew, go and fight and all that stuff. Oh, you uh, mean when I, him and Evie just straight up snipe half of the yeah. whole army by themselves? Okay, that's a bit dramatic, but... <laughs> I mean, he does we save only- the Magi. Yeah, we get that one confirmed kill from Jonathan, but yeah, because he's they're like asking each other, "Hey, you any good with that?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, state champion, whatever the fuck, something or another." Oh no, dude. Okay, no, fuck this guy. He was state champion, like fox and hound hunter, which means he was a professional fox hunter. Which means he was a professional. I'm gonna sit on this horse, let this dog hunt this fox, and then I will shoot it out of its misery after it's been made. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what you said. Listen, I'm not rich people. I don't understand how this whole hunting thing goes. I don't hunt foxes. I don't hunt anything. I hunt in the pantry for like a sandwich. That's about the best I can do. I hunt for serotonin because I feel like I never have enough. I'm bad at hunting that. Uh and then yeah, he's like asking like, "Oh, are you any good with that?" and he shows him the blade and he's like, "We'll have to see soon enough." And then fucking all this blade flourishes just to like hold it to his neck for some reason like because the only way to kill an anubis warrior is by cutting its head off it's like all right you guys know each other you don't have to be so aggro man no like, it's not <laughs> aggro that's magi foreplay he's seducing him yeah seducing the god set mm-hmm. uh, hey man yeah, it, sometimes it back. sometimes you just have to shoot your fucking shot and hope for the best it it does come back where like you know they're fighting the cultist whatever and he takes on some of them it's like a hard one fight and he's like kind of breathe taking a breath whatever and the guy's coming in back and ready to go like shank him and then jonathan's got his back and you're like yay it came around 
It's a, it's a, it's a Legolas Gimli situation. <laughs> like, you know, you know how it goes. And, uh, and then, yeah, I, you know, it also feels like he could have helped out with, well, I guess they moved on from there. Cause yeah, he has this big old final fr- confrontation with Mr. Echo who has slashed the shit out of him, like in the beginning earlier. So it's like, yeah, last time they had a fight, he kicks ass. Of course it was like six guys against one i think well against well two. first he had to kill six guys before he did he graced him with his blade because he was like not bad for a magi and then you know they fought and he kind of lost actually and then went to kidnap the kid instead no he went to kidnap evie yeah and it was like i think he knew i think he always knew that our death was better than him and that's this is where this is the core of the story, guys. Really, like, if you're someone who realizes that there's something you love in life, but there's someone better than you at it, that's okay, because it's all about your growth. It's all about you doing better. Don't compare yourself to others, but let your own journey tell the story. That's what Lochna got wrong, and that's how he could have grown as a person. If he just would have let go of that jealousy of our death, he could have become so much more. You on about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. I really don't know anymore. Well, he does get one victory. He shoots the shit out of his bird. <laughs> he does kill the bird. For smart friend, I don't think McConnell got shot. I don't think any of the other Magi's got shot. And you know what? Evelyn even came back to life. Did your stupid bird come back to life? <laughs> Tell you what, though. Izzy didn't get shot either. And he's got a bad track record from the sounds of it. Yeah, he got shot in the ass once. Well, he also says every time I go on a mission with you, I get shot. So the ass was the most recent or the most painful one that would he would not let go. I feel like that was that would be the one you would remember the most. Like shot in the ribs, eh, shot in the ass. That's the story you always I tell. Say, I think it might just be the fact that I'm pretty dramatic. I think if I was ever on an adventure with someone and I got shot, I in the ass. I don't think that's ever going to not be brought up whenever I see that person. <laughs> Exactly. Like, you get it. You get Izzy's perspective then. Like, it's something that I feel like I would never... If I got shot in the ass because of the actions of someone else, that person would have to say sorry to me for the rest of their lives. Like, I I wouldn't enter their home until they they answer the door with, Hello, I'm sorry I got you shot in the ass. Okay, now I can come in. Thank you. We've gotten the formalities out of the way. And um, yeah. I'm going to need you to say it five more times throughout the night. You just, you you feel those moments out, but I will be counting. I just don't think I would ever drop it. No, you can't. <laughs> you cannot get that dropped. Like, I, uh, what? Of course not. That person's going to have to stop hanging out with me because they're going to be like, dude, seriously? Like, I, I, it's been 10 years, man. <laughs> <It's>, like, no. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where, like, this dude could have gotten me shot in the spine, lose my ability to walk, and I'll tell him, like, you need to forgive yourself. But I get shot in the ass? No, dude. Until I fucking die, you are going to apologize to me every time I see you. You're going to have to call me just to apologize because you got me shot in the fucking ass. Really, let me stretch that out for you. Do you imagine like what it feels like to sit down? The phantom wound of being shot in the ass. You ever been shot in the ass before? 
cool me neither I guess. <laughs> let's, let's move on from that <laughs> i know dude i'm like living my best life right now <laughs> yeah. oh dude you know what was the funniest part of this movie yeah the part when um so they're fighting cgi rock. i know what i think is the funniest part they're fighting cgi rock jonathan throws the spear agree. emotep catches the spear Emotep throws the spear. Hold on. Emotep doesn't just catch a spear. He catches it. Does his fucking color guard, like, fucking flips. He's, like, twirling that shit everywhere, man. Yes. Winning state color guard, winner guard competition at the same time of getting ready to get the Olympian javelin throw of the century. He throws it. We've got Rick O'Connell event horizoning, folding space, point A to point B, catching it, and then twirling around, Dabbing the Scorpion King through while being like, while like holding himself together while like almost being dragged into hell. You get a second of seeing that, and then Emotep just walks into frame, gets on one knee, and is like, No! no! Oh, yes. That's 100% always the, the, the moment I think of when I think of how funny this movie is. <laughs> just the fact of him walking into scene, it's like watching like one of those like really funny stage performances you see of just name a musical where it's like an amateur troupe while you're having fun, but like they don't have the timing down just right. So it's that one second off that just makes you lose it. I don't think there's a way that could have worked and not be funny except they should he should have just not been in frame you should have just like cut to him yeah in the distance or even if he's still stay even if he's standing there just cut to a closer shot of him doing that no <laughs> kind of thing the fact that he like runs into frame drops his knee then ah! <laughs> it's too it's too goofy it's wacky it's very silly it's it's so uh so by the way, we did pass over the fact that Evie does die in this movie, but then, yeah, just like we said, uh, Alex is able to use Egyptian necromancy to bring her back to life. I <laughs> I, I, was asking while we were watching this movie, I, I don't know the rules of how this works, but I'm like, how do we, are we fairly sure that this isn't going to have some kind of like pet cemetery effect or, um, you know, well, like, no, do they know I, how I to have, bring in like the right spirit? I, I'm going to have to say no on the pet cemetery effect because you have to understand the pet cemetery is ruled by an entity named the Wendigo, which is fucked up in nature. This is Egyptian necromancy that at least has like a weighted you know, justice system to it. So I feel like we're a little bit more 100% on this necromancy than that necromancy. You know what I mean? Okay, but from their perspective, because they didn't see a Nox and a Moon get pulled into a Nox and a Moon. Yeah. So they don't know how well this stuff works. But Jonathan specifically knows about them pulling, uh, in the first one, them using the Book of the Dead uh to put her and all she was was just some weird dried mummy with a knife chasing them around going ah! <laughs> like yeah. how do they know how is he certain that that wasn't just gonna happen <laughs> um because um you see necromancy is all about feeling it's all about the heart itself <laughs> and this kid it's more just of an loved art than a science <laughs> it's more that this kid loved his mom so much 
she pulled her out of the underworld oh, because we know when you're she telling died. Telling me that it wasn't it wasn't the Egyptian necromancy. It was love that did <laughs> it. It was love the whole time, my guy. God damn it! I know. Or gods, I don't know. It's gods on this one, because let's be real, when she died, she didn't see the pearly white gates in St. Gabriel. Wait, she did say, do you want to know what heaven looks like, though? There is an Egyptian heaven. What is it called? Like, <laughs> but like, No, that's the god, is, does that that's conf- goddess. Does that confirm that Egyptian uh, religion or uh, ancient Egypt had the religions right? Yeah, it, it does. Is that saying that that's confirmed, or do we have like a multi pantheon thing going on where it's like I, we're just se- separating people? Oh, the Christians go there. The uh, people who follow Anubis go here. Yeah, I mean th- that could be the case. It's all going to depend on the Mummy Three with like the Chinese mummy, because if that has to do with Chinese god, then yes, yeah, so we just have a multi pantheon realm where going we, on where we <laughs> just kill Evie and bring her back all over again. <laughs> All right, now what was this one like this time? <laughs> Where did you go? Who did you see? What were they like? <laughs> <laughs> and can you put in a good word for me? So I. And then, you know, this movie just has one of those situations where like, oh, we did the thing, so now this place is being destroyed because the magic's gone, and gonna be sucked into itself and become the desert again yeah was this place just always there just hidden yeah it was one of those things because like and then it was hominoptera was like the fabled city of i don't even know like the city of death is what they called it i guess sure and it was hidden by a heat mirage from what we saw like that's what the first movie was trying to say yeah while this movie well amin sheer is a totally mystical oasis given to the land by anubis to house the armies of anubis and the scorpion king himself why did he choose the scorpion king because the scorpion king uh made the prayer well he screamed and ate half a scorpion figure like he would have like some kind of doggo worship man (laughs) king man well he's more it's more that the scorpion King was like a purveyor and warmonger of death, so I guess oh, Anubis could be cool. Yeah. Well, he sucks shit at it. It was just really funny because we show the beginning <laughs> where we were showing like the Scorpion King, like where you like this big old like the Scorpion King was fighting and going through the lands and blah 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 and raging war, and then like it showed him just in a fight. And what happens is like they're going and we got to show. Well, I guess we finally got to talk about the Rock, right? <laughs> we're gonna talk about him. As oh much yeah, as the Rock's in at- this. We're gonna talk him for about as much as he is in the movie. Uh, he's yeah, he's going around and like we got to show like the Rock being cool. So like we're showing like he's just mowing people down, kicking all kinds of ass. I was waiting for a wrestling move. I and it wasn't one that I caught, but maybe I just missed it. I don't have a keen eye like maybe I did before for wrestling moves. But yeah, he's just mowing down all these fools and like yeah, he's just like looking at the sky cheering like ah as he's like murdering people. And then we just hard cut to like him going through the desert. It's like and then the Scorpion King. And his and and his army got the living shit kicked out of them. <laughs> it was one of those situations. And they were banished to the desert. It's how we knew that they were focusing on the Scorpion King because he was wrecking shop, but the army behind him was just getting 
being decimated the whole time. Yeah, yeah. He's like the only. He's like the one in the like the the fucking Call of Duty squad. He's like the only good one, and he's like really carrying the team. But it's not enough because it's a squad game. Exactly. So everyone else, everyone else is just bringing him down. The KD ratio is in shambles. And they keep telling him it's like you can't win this on your own. And he just says, "Fuck you! I'm gonna win it on my own." <laughs> well, he's just there, like, "Well, no, no, you are doing a fucking thing about it." <laughs> like respawn, respawn. Fuck. Have to wait for the rest of the team. Have you seen any of the Scorpion King movies? I've seen the first one. So it's really funny that they paint was like, yeah, hey, look, he's he's a good guy because Rock playing a good guy action here. He's a good guy and he's taking down the injustices and these are awful people. And then it's like, yeah, no matter how good of a guy they make him, like you remember how he died, a piece of shit warmonger who got his ash ki- <laughs> his shit kicked in. Prayed to like a god and was like, yeah, there we go. Did my business. Wait, what the fuck? And then he just got thrown into a tomb. Yeah, because and like he he was ready to just take over the world. Like he was going to use the armies of Anubis to enslave the entire world to his will. I I don't want to put my foot in my mouth and and make us do something that we're going to regret for this podcast. Uh-huh. But maybe if we saw all the scorpion kings it would show the road that led here no no it wouldn't guess <laughs> no it, it would from like it would not show the from, road. like the rock to like billy zane to i don't know who the fuck else plays him Wait, you, know, you are you know you know you are wrong about this and it will not I show don't. i just like you have only seen the first one I, do you really want that though like ask yourself. I'd be laughing so hard like the day that like we're like, all right, fine, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna watch it. And we accidentally watch like the fucking rock in the Hercules movie. We're like, I could not tell the difference. Okay. <laughs> what did we watch? There are five <laughs> Scorpion King movies. God damn And there is a reboot on the way. Yeah. Uh in November twenty twenty, a reboot of the Scorpion King film series was announced to be in development. Jonathan Herman, Dave DePetista. <laughs> Jonathan Herman will serve as screenwriter with a plot taking place in modern day and involving a contemporary adaptation of the character. Dwayne Johnson will serve as a producer alongside Danny Garcia and Hiram Garcia. Oh my gosh! But yeah, there's the Scorpion King, Scorpion King Two: Rise of a Warrior, Scorpion King Three: Battle for Redemption, Scorpion King Four: mm. Quest for Power, and then Scorpion King: oh my Book of Souls. I think I'm right. <laughs> I think it shows the arc just in the titles. <laughs> I God, I hope not. Oh my God, the rewatch on this is gonna be a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be so bad. Don't we're gonna don't come do back this, like dude, we were so wrong about the Scorpion King. Don't do actually this. his story makes perfect fucking sense. So join us in March. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, the the rock's also in it. He comes back as like a weird CGI um, scorpion. It looks funny. The CGI is dated. They keep his perfect eyebrows. <laughs> oh my god! Because that was that was like one of his wrestling sticks was not only being an obnoxious ass, but he could raise a damn eyebrow that could was so at such an angle it could kill a man. Michael. Uh... Michael Copen took over the role for Rise of a Warrior. Then for three and four, it was a guy named Victor Webster. And then for Book of Souls, it was Zach McGowan. But the third one has Ron Perlman in it. So take that with with a grain of salt if you want to. And Billy Zane. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything. 
Oh, Billy Zane yeah. was in one of them. Okay, I was like, yeah, I made the joke that like Billy Zane took over, but I was like, I swear I remember seeing him, but damn, you're saying he wasn't? But okay, he was in one. He is in one. He plays King Talus, and Ron Perlman plays Horace because... Yeah, Ron Perlman being in it doesn't mean a goddamn thing. That's not a mark No, it doesn't. It means it's either <laughs> going to be something that might be good or something that is so obscure that you had no idea that he was even in it, like the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft animated movies for kids. Mm-hmm. I'm having I'm having PTSD flashbacks. These exist. These are real movies. I know. I saw it. So when are we watching those for summer animation? <laughs> All right. So what do you got going on on your? Oh, no, Kaz. So did you like it? I miss Benny. <laughs> I miss Benny. Benny was awesome in the first one. I liked Benny. He was a piece of shit, but in a fun, charismatic way. This new guy, I couldn't even tell. Like the funniest thing he did was like leaving his cohorts behind and be like, you'll remember, you'll be remembered in heaven, which I used I used to tell people in video games when I would leave them <laughs> to die. Um, that's, like, that's the go-to phrase. And then, yeah, he gets his arm eaten uh, by the scorpion thing. You don't fist a scorpion statue, man. That's just, when is that ever going to be a good idea? When is that going to be finally acknowledged as an important safety information to be plastered on the streets of America? Never fist a scorpion wall. Right? Yeah, I don't think that needs to be written. <laughs> I think that's no. Like, I I need the I need the yellow sign with the black like outline stick figure guy with him fisting a scorpion <laughs> wall with the like circle X through it. You know? Oh man, I this is too obscure for anyone to look up. But like, there's this joke that I would make. Like, there's in this game Golden Sun. You can like go to a church and you can like have curse removed from yourself and it just shows like a weird demon spirit leaving your body. Or you can remove a curse from your weapon and the picture of it is this little pixel guy holding a sword out and the spirits coming out and the look of his face is in such pain where he's like going like ah <laughs> my blade it haunts me so and so I just imagine that's what like the scorpion thing. It's just a guy like pulling his arm away from the statue and just it has like the comic book words crunch on it, and he's just like, ah! <laughs> crunch. That's what happened to his arm. It got crunched. Oh, I would love that. It got crunched. Well, it didn't just get crunched, okay? Because to say it was crunched I mean, like, they broke through the bone. This thing got filleted. This scorpion wall filleted his hand. And then, and then, and then he falls into, like, the, the little pit of... Uh, of scarabs and starts getting eaten alive to which o'connell just looks at him he just kind of smirks and has a little chuckle to himself and he moves on and i'm like you are so jaded man <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you o'connell so you know there's this really great moment that shows the love between evie and rick where rick is hanging off the ledge being dragged into hell by the souls of the damned and Evie's looking at him, and he's just like, No! Run, Evie! Don't save me! Just save yourself! Take Alex and run! But Evie just bolts through, dodging falling rocks, twirling, uh, dodge roll, sidesteps, jumping off a pillar, and then pulling her husband up out of hell. And that's love. And Emotep, Emotep like, has that as well. He, he's just still just there just holding. He's like watching this thing. Like as if he's just sitting there like watching her like do all these roles. Just like, man, look at this 
bitch. Like, Goddamn. And then, yeah, she's going, and she's like still there, just giving the side eye with like teary eyes looking at them and how superior their love is. And then you just go, like, you know, while O'Connell's like selfless, like, don't go save yourself. Which he also just said, you, someone has to live for our fucking child. But whatever. That's fine. Uh, and uh, Emotep's like, uh-huh. save me an oxygen moon. Shit's getting real bad. <laughs> you know, it It sounds more <laughs> I'm romantic. I'm going to die in more romantic in Save us with our love. Shit, shit's going real bad. But anyways, uh, and yeah, she looks at him, panic in her really face, does. and she goes, nope. And she just screams out going, nah! <laughs> and he's just... And then I love I love that realization of how fucked he's been these, like, 3,000 years in love with one woman that truly actually never cared about him, but just realized he was hotter, he was a hotter option than the Pharaoh. And he just, instead of, like, fighting for that or saying sorry to the people he's been tormenting, he just, like, looks at them Kind of gives them one of those nods and then just lets himself fall into hell to be ripped in half. Yeah, he does the sad to himself, and the moon. And then, yeah, just lets himself go into, like, the weird multi, like, handed hell where these things are just pulling him in. And, yeah, it's fucked up. Because this man, now I feel like, here's where I'm like, all right, listen. I have nothing to substantiate this. I have no okay. evidence. I feel like that lady who was the reincarnation of an ox and moon who showed all this devotion, handled snakes for the man, was try- was shooting at people, trying to kill people, just bring him back, was like ready to make out with that shit before they put an ox and moon soul into it. I feel like that lady would have been ride or die for she Emotep. Would've. She would have been ride or die. I think, I think our like off-brand Hill Country Farm and Ox in the Moon would have been a better wife to Emotep than an Ox in the Wait, Moon. are you telling me that sometimes the local brand can be better than the national brand? Sometimes, man. <laughs> and so, this poor man, he's been putting it, he's suffered, I mean, she suffered too, but like, oh, she killed herself, actually. She didn't get to, she didn't get tortured like he did, where he had like fucking scarabs poured over his mummified fucking body. But like, Oh, yeah, yeah, he got the worst treatment, like the- Tons pulled out the, eyes pulled out <laughs> the ancient death torture of the humdai yeah goes through all this shit 3000 years later gets revived his whole plan he's not even i mean he got, is kind of like going to rule the world kind of thing but his whole central goal the entire time is i need to revive an ox and a moon well i need to get my fucking limbs and flesh back but he's like i got to bring back an ox and a moon that was our thing we made a pact we made a deal we made, you know, we it's it's high. It was high school, but like, hey, come on, that shit lasts forever, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, he gets yeeted by our heroes, as you do, and he comes back again because homegirl was like down bad for him, and so she brings his ass to life, and so he comes back, and he's like, all right, I got her back. I put the, the, the my my old high school girlfriend's soul into. Girl who looks like her. Let's not read into what that means. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. The young, the newer, three thousand year younger model. It's fine. Uh, and, and then, uh, 
And then, yeah, we're going to be together forever, like we promised. And then she's like, nah, fuck that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you mean this was going to be hard? That sacrifice had to be made? Fuck this. I don't know why comparing this to like a high school relationship has made it infinitely more funny to me. (laughs) Because you're starting, we both just realized that is what this was. That's basically, I mean, what? How long did they live in Egypt? They were probably like the high school (laughs) age, right? Yeah, what nobody knows is, like, they had the body of 30-year-olds, but they were really only 14. Well, yeah, it's like every depiction we do in movies. Like, everyone, you know, is played by an adult. It's fine, you know, because yeah, adults are better whatever. actors. <laughs> <laughs> and, then o- O'Con- and then O'Connell and y- Rick and Evie went off to do their homecoming, and they had a great fucking time. Yeah, yeah. But that's because, like, Rick and o- Evie and O'Connell, like, they met... After high school, after college, when they've really found themselves and understand who they are as people. You know, where the real relationships are. Emotep just realized that, you know, sometimes your first love isn't your forever love. And you should have accepted that <laughs> maybe 3,000 years ago. Thanks. I think me and Emotep really needed to hear that right now. <laughs> oh, my God. What? <laughs> it's so Cass. <laughs> yes? Did you like it? Oh, I answered that already. I said I miss Benny. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah, it's still fun. It's still a fun movie. Uh, I think definitely this time, well, like rewatching it now, like we did, uh, definitely, yeah, a lot of rose tinted glasses kind of came off with this one. Um, it's still a fun movie, but it doesn't approach the charm I think that the first one has. Yeah, I just all, all the characters they're they're too cool in this one and I kind of wish they had they were a bit more flawed and or you know not just always competently like just cool guying their way through everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about all I can really contribute. Normally I have like a whole diatribe but I'm just stalling for time cuz I'm usually long-winded. Uh square. <laughs> yeah. So did you like it? I'm going to say like <sighs> Really, after watching this movie, it's kind of like a mess situation. Like, I could take it or leave it, um, and I'll put it on, like, as background noise and maybe get a few chuckles out of it. But you're right. This movie doesn't have the charm of the first film, and I think that's because it completely threw away its horror elements. It's not what the first movie is. It changes genres so drastically that you're watching just kind of characterizations of the characters that were made from the first movie like they're just caricatures of themselves now with all these new plot points and like mysticism thrown involved and how destiny really is what ties all these people together and not that it was a situation of we were digging in the wrong place you know which the first movie had and you're right benny gave something to this cast that was at least you loved to hate benny because Benny had a lot of great one-liners, and he had that energy where you're like, ooh, I fucking hate you, Benny. But that's lacking in this movie. There's no one like that in here. Yeah. Uh, I have actually, I just thought of the perfect example of what encompasses like the switch of horror to this, more being more streamlined, in that like when Emotep is collecting all of his like parts, it's this horrible thing that we see him collect one at a time, and it's done in a horrific way. The guy without the glasses. We see just the silhouette of that other American guy, uh, oh, just the, the shadow yeah. of him as he's draining life. It's a horrifying thing that we see bits, glances of. We or, don't truly no, dude, see that, that moment when, like, uh, after that part with Benny's and with him too. It's just like, 
Lord Emotep, like Prince Emotep, wants to thank you for your hospitality. Yeah. And your tongue, and your eyes. Yeah. And like that, that gave you some chills when it Benny was, like had that power. It it was a it was a slow thing. Him collecting all the pieces, and each time he did it, it was horrifying, and it was a spooky, scary fucking thing happening. In this one, he gets all three at once. We get the three Stooges characters who are just like, "Hey, look at these silly little assholes." Uh, and then yeah, we just uh, he just dunks on them all at once, and you just see like this. We do the silhouette thing again, but it's like three just. Since it's three people's shadows, like, all against one wall, it's kind of a mess of, like, what you're looking at. And you're just like, ah! And then he's just back right away. Just one and done. I mean, this movie is such a tone change from the first movie that the thieves we're talking about here are legitimately a tough British guy that just kind of bullies the other two. Dumb, lanky dude that just kind of makes, like, bad jokes and, like, because he's an idiot. And then... Dude the from the guy. culture that's just like, oh, this place is cursed. Like that's that's them, and you're like, you might have never even seen this movie before, but you could already picture them in your head. I like that I gave him a bad French accent when we were watching it. And now that stuck with you, and you're just like, this place, it is cursed. It is, this place is cursed. This tomb, it is cursed. The trains, it is cursed. This baguette, she cursed. My life, it is cursed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kaz, what do you got going on in your life? Uh, we're hopefully we're going to be a bit more normal with these uh, now that the busy season is over. So you can watch these live on Twitch every Friday, hopefully uh, around ten o'clock at twitch.tv forward slash second respawn. That's the number two N D. The word respawn all scrunched up, crunched together. Um, uh, we do variety streams. So, like, Dan plays Death Stranding some days, Monster Hunter. Uh, I'm playing Blasphemous and Silent Hill. And Bubs and I do a date night on Mondays, which I think, now that we're done with Resident Evil Outbreak, we're going to do... Go back to Divinity! Ooh! So, I'm joined by the man chosen by Destiny at the Orphanage um, Tattoo Parlor, Mm -hmm. Sir Squarin. No one asked questions. It was great. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Sir Squarin, S-Q-U-A-R-I-N. I can spell my own name, I guess. Um, right now, I've really just been playing Ghost of Tsushima because I want to finish that game. And I've been like very dedicated to it, and it's been amazing, and I've been having a, a fun time. And I also do a lot of D&D with Flight Team as well as the boys from Dungeon Daydreams. It's just been hard getting that set up again with a lot of transitions going on in my personal life that will hopefully make doing these projects a lot easier um, going forward. Um, You can find this podcast edited by our good friend Tucker Wins. Um, uh, You can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, uh, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Really, it, it's only possible because Tucker puts in work for us every week to make this sound a lot better than it actually is with his fun edits because we ask him to do really stupid things. And for some reason, he just can't say no to us. But you can find him on Twitter at Tucker Wins or on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Tucker underscore wins where he plays chess, plays some Fortnite and just talks about what's going on in like the real world, you know. Whatever that may be, I can't really go. I can't divulge without you know. 
getting it wrong because of his like wild energy he has to him that makes him a mystical uh, shaman that he is. And as we said at the beginning, this is like a year anniversary of this podcast. So by if by all means we have around over forty episodes of a year's worth of uh, bullshit we've been talking about, your favorite movie's probably in there somewhere. <laughs> Give it a listen. Share with your friends if you've got one you really like. Feel free to share it because that's how a podcast grows. We really just love the word of mouth. If you can give it, if you can find it in your hearts to give that to us, we really appreciate it. Now, uh, next week we will have our first guest of the year with Queso Cactus, and we will be watching the movie Toy with Robin Williams, which I, I've never seen it. I don't know if you've seen it, Kaz. I haven't seen that since I was a literal child. Of so seven. This will be the a year was 1996. Oh shit! It was a dark human. <laughs> I was one years old. Hot damn, you child! <laughs> That's right. So we'll be back next week. Um, until then, don't trust accessories. Don't just put on random bracelets and then start the apocalypse. Because honestly, if you start the apocalypse, I'm not going to try to stop it. I'm just going to let it happen, and I will just open it with. I will welcome it with open arms. Don't, and that's the energy we have. Don't fist scorpion arm crunchers. It's bad. Unless you're into that. <laughs> <laughs>